Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing well and welcome back to episode number 10 of the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history. And today, we're going to be talking about the case of Nico Jenkins. So, Nico Jenkins, where do I even begin? Now, the first thing I should say about Nico Jenkins is that there seems to be a little bit of a weird fascination with him. Because when I started researching this case, I was coming across YouTube videos that had 50 plus million views and 50 plus million views on one video is obviously absolutely crazy but there are quite a few videos on nico jenkins that do just have crazy views and i was thinking to myself what the hell is the fascination here i mean nico commits some terrible crimes as we see in all of these cases but i think a reason for the particular fascination in this case is that there are a lot and I mean a lot of shocking things that grab people's attention in this case. For one, Nico definitely has a unique appearance, which this is obviously a podcast, so definitely go Google Nico Jenkins and yeah, definitely unique. But on top of Nico's unique appearance, there are definitely lots of other shocking things that happen in this case. For example, there are sacrifices to an Egyptian snake god. And then Nico also performs self-mutilation. Uh-huh, he did it to himself in an area of his body that you just don't want to think about mutilating. So there are lots of shocking events in today's case, but there is also a lot of misinformation around this case. When I first started looking into this case, I heard one story, one version of events, and I was like, okay, did some more digging, found another source, and I was like, hang on a minute, that is completely different from the first source. And then I did a bit more digging, and I was like, oh my God, how is this not mentioned in the other sources, in the other videos? And that was the thing with this case, the more I was digging into it, the more sources I found, the more I realized that there was just so much misinformation surrounding this case, which truly did frustrate me. And then I ended up stumbling across the court documents, which gave more of the story. And it was 420 pages long. And you guys know that I love finding documents like this that are huge and meaty because I really throw myself into it. And I just got sucked in. And I wanted to figure out the full story, but the full and true story of Nico Jenkins, because I think that that was what was missing from this case at the time, that the true and full story of Nico Jenkins just wasn't out there. And this was one of the first true crime cases where I really fell down the rabbit hole. And I wanted to do this story justice because this case highlights massive failures in the system, which were just not talked about enough in the media. And I thought that those massive failures in the system and just the true story of Nico Jenkins needed to be told. So we have a lot to get through today. So let's just dive in. So Nico Jenkins was born on September 16th. He was a Virgo and he grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. He was actually born in Colorado, but he basically grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Two parents, David McGee and Lori Jenkins. He was one of six siblings and he had uh, five sisters. And to say that he had a troubled upbringing would definitely be an understatement. He was physically abused and he also witnessed a lot of violence and a lot of abuse himself between his parents and between different family members. Um, violence and abuse was just so normal 
in his life, in his childhood. There was even a couple of instances where his parents were going at it and he would have to get in between them and break them up. There was one incident when he was only four years old where he had to clean up blood from the floor, which no child should do. And this has stayed with him. Like he can recall this vividly, like still now today. Um, so <laughs> to say that that incident and many others traumatized him um, is an understatement. Like I said, he didn't just witness this kind of behavior from his parents. It was pretty much his entire family. His whole family has such an extensive criminal background. It's actually crazy. This whole case really does bring up the debate, nature or nurture. I'm not gonna go into that in this case because there's honestly just too much and I just can't tackle every single little thing in this case. Nico's great, great grandfather, uh, Levi Levering, he was actually a well-respected tribe leader in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, 38 of his descendants are convicted criminals and collectively these 38 descendants have committed 633 crimes since 1979. That's not even that long ago. It's definitely um, an extensive criminal family. So violence and criminal behavior was just second nature to Nico. He knew no different. So as you can imagine, it didn't really take Nico long to pick up on this behavior and start to exude this behavior himself. When he was just seven years old, he brought a loaded handgun into school. Thankfully, no one was hurt in this situation, but because of this, he was taken into foster care. And this was the first time that Nico himself came on to the police's radar. Obviously his family was pretty well known in Omaha, but this was like the first time Nico had gotten into trouble. And when he was in foster care, he actually spoke to a therapist for the first time where he expressed thoughts of wanting to hurt himself, wanting to hurt others. He also expressed that he could hear voices in his head that would tell him to harm others and that he wanted to harm his classmates. He actually wanted to shoot them. It's heartbreaking when you think about it because he's only, um, he's eight years old when he's um, in therapy. He's already having suicidal thoughts at eight years old. He was also excessively wetting the bed, which his therapist put down to um, just anxiety and stress from his home life. And this was also the first time that Nico was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I can't get over that he's just only eight. <laughs> It's just so sad. This is like red flag number one and something could have been done at this time, but um, there are so many red flags throughout this whole case. I can't point out every single one, but this was definitely the first one where maybe people should have stepped in and thought, you know what, we need to help this boy. Um, he's clearly struggling here and um, maybe something could have been done at this point um, to help him. Um, but nothing was. He just bounced around different foster homes at this point for a lot of his childhood and he would keep getting kicked out of the foster homes as well because he was violent and he was threatening towards the other children. Um, he just didn't ever have any stability in his childhood. And I, I can't help but feel sorry for him in his childhood. He didn't really have a childhood. And when Nico was aged 11, this is when he joined his first gang. And this is when he actually started to carry a weapon all the time. And throughout his teenage years, he was convicted of many different offenses, which included arson, weapon charges, and robbery. And because of this, he was just in and out of juvie most of his teenage years. And then when Nico was 17, he committed two armed carjackings, which resulted in him being sentenced to 14 to 15 years in prison. He first went to a youth facility first because obviously he was still a minor. He was in the youth facility until he was around 19 and then he got transferred to an adult prison. And just like everything else in Nico's life, 
His prison stay was um, eventful. He would take place in prison riots. He even assaulted a officer while he was out on a day leave for his grandmother's funeral. And just these incidences in prison actually earned him an extra five years on his sentence. So his sentence is now 20 years essentially. However, he does only actually serve 10 years of his 20 year sentence. And out of his 10 year sentence, Nico spent 60% of his time in solitary confinement. Nobody should be in solitary confinement for that long. They're not like one-off days or whatever, like he was in and out of solitary confinement. No, he was in solitary confinement for long periods of time. And he was in solitary confinement for a two year solid block before he was released out into the world. And actually coming up to Nico's release in 2013, five months before he was due to be released, he did undergo a psychological evaluation because Nico was struggling with his mental health. He was struggling with anger and he was also self-harming. He was currently on 15 minute suicide checks. He had repeatedly mutilated his face and Nico reported to staff that he wanted to quote, eat the hearts of women, men and children, end quote when he was going to be released from prison. Nico was also known to drink his own urine um, and get ready for this. He also liked to drink and snort his own semen. Um, yes, ladies and gentlemen, his own semen. I have never heard of that before. I've heard of people drinking their own urine before, but never snorting and drinking their own semen. And there was a reason why he did this. The reason why Nico said that he was doing this was that it was a form of nutritional supplementation um, and that by snorting and drinking his own semen, it would increase his serotonin levels and help him manage his anger problems. I don't know, he was very angry. Maybe it did help him. I don't know. I don't know how that's possible, but each to their own, I guess. Nico would also often have obsessive and racing thoughts. He was still hearing voices. He would often experience hallucinations. And he was even hearing instructions in his mind from the Egyptian god Apothis. And Apothis would instruct Nico to harm others. But Apothis does come up again, so take note of that. I don't know much about Apophis other than the fact that he is an ancient Egyptian god and was the lord of evil and darkness. That's a good god to worship. So knowing all of this, I just can't wrap my head around this. There are so many things in this case that I just cannot wrap my head around. So knowing all of this, the authorities decide that Nico is ready to rejoin society and they release him in July of 2013 straight from solitary confinement. So let me just get this straight. Nico is too dangerous to be in the main population of the prison, whether that is a danger to himself or others, whatever, he's way too dangerous. He has to be in solitary confinement, um, but he's gonna be okay out in the world. How does that make sense? Make it make sense, it doesn't. And what makes it even worse is that Nico was released without any parole without any supervision. He was just let out. Make that make sense. Nico himself even asked to not be released. He was asking for help over and over again. Did he receive help? No. Nico even said, if you let me out, not that this is an excuse or anything, but um, Nico even said himself, if you let me out, I'm going to kill someone. 
If you know the story of Nico Jenkins, you obviously know that this actually did happen. So on the 30th of July, Nico was released and his family threw him a release party at a hotel. And Nico was given, in my opinion anyway, um, a very strange gift. Um, he was given a shotgun. That's a great present for somebody who's just been released from prison. Yeah, his uncle, Warren Levering, he does come back up in the story, remember that name. Um, he gifted Nico a shotgun. I don't know how it works and stuff, but if Nico was released on parole, um, he would probably be given conditions. And you would think that someone that was in prison for an armed carjacking would not be allowed a weapon, at least for a decent amount of time after coming out of prison. Um, but he wasn't put on parole, was he? And at this uh, release party, Nico did gain a little bit of trouble with his girlfriend because what has been dubbed as the Nico cult um, arrived and Nico was being inappropriate with these women and his girlfriend wasn't happy about it. And uh, they got into a little argument, which again, hold on to that thought because that plays super crucial role later on in the story. At this party as well, Nico expressed that he wanted to move to Florida, commit some robberies in Florida so he could get enough money to move to Cuba so he could join the military in Cuba and fight the US. I just thought that that was interesting. He doesn't really play a role in the story or whatever, but I just thought it kind of portrayed the state of mind that Nico was in because it's just so random. So now it is the 10th of August and Nico expresses that he wants to commit some robberies in his hometown and his sister, Erica Jenkins, and his cousin, Christine Bordeaux, uh, expressed that they want to join in, you know, family business and all. So Nico hatches up a plan. He wants Erica and Christine to go to a local bar. He wants them to lure two men to a private location um, on the promise of sexual favors. And once they got to this private location, Nico was going to rob them. So this is exactly what Christine and Erica do. They go to a local bar. They come across Jorge Ruiz and Juan Pena who go with Erica and Christine. They drive to this private location. And when they arrive at the private location, Nico jumps out and he shoots both men in the head with the gun that he received as a gift. Tragically, both Jorge and Juan lost their lives instantly with a single bullet wound to the head. And when the police arrived, they found both men and their pockets were also turned out. So it turned out that Nico did actually rob them as well as killing them. And it kind of seems like, we don't know obviously, but it kind of seems like Nico did have the intention of killing them because the first thing he does is shoot them. He doesn't even try to rob them first and then decide to shoot them. Um, so obviously we can't say for sure what he intended to do, but it does kind of seem like he intended to kill them. Whether the sister Erica and cousin Christine were in on this, again, we don't know. I mean, maybe it wasn't planned. Uh, and maybe it was a split second decision from Nico because he was hearing voices in his head, um, but we don't know. But Nico doesn't come up on the radar of the police for this murder because he didn't know these two men. There was no connection at all. So Nico just carries on living his life. And I mean, really living his life. He's going to like loads of pies. Um, so eight days later, after the murder of Jorge and Juan, um, he's at another party where he stumbles across Curtis Bradford, who is an ex-stalemate of Nico's. There's even a picture of them together at this party that was posted on Facebook. And they look pretty friendly. I know you can't always tell from a picture, but they look like they're kind of friends maybe. And they're both doing this like weird hand symbol. Um, it could be a gang sign. I don't know, I'm not familiar with gang signs. Or what I think is more likely anyway, it could be a symbol of a snake. 
Remember Nico worships Apothis. I don't know whether Curtis does as well. I don't know, maybe he's just kind of going along with what Nico's doing, um, but it kind of looks like a snake, doesn't it? Um, so Nico expresses to Curtis that he wants to commit some robberies. Nico seems to like telling everybody that he wants to commit robberies and he seems to like to try and recruit people to like help him out here. Um, so he expresses to Curtis that he wants to commit some robberies and Curtis is like, yeah, great, I'm down, I'll come with you. So they go get in the car, Erica is also there, she's joining in, you know, Nico's sister, um, learning from Big Brother and all, I don't know. And when they get in the car, I don't know if it's Erica or Nico, but it doesn't really matter, somebody hands Curtis a gun. But unknowingly to Curtis, this gun is unloaded. So off they go to commit whatever robbery they're planning to commit, get to the destination. I don't know what they were intending to rob, I don't know, but they got to their destination and they all get out of the car and Erica basically ambushes Curtis and turns her gun on Curtis and shoots him once in the head. And Erica is so proud of herself. This is her first kill. She's so proud. I can't even believe I'm saying this. She's so proud of herself. Um, but Nico is infuriated and not infuriated for the right reasons. Like you would hope that he would be infuriated because she's just killed somebody. But no, he's infuriated because she killed him and he wanted to. So Nico, he's that angry, he gets his gun and also shoots Curtis in the back of the head. Just, I just, I don't even, I don't, I don't even know what to say. And sadly, Curtis did lose his life. He was just left for dead on the side of the road. Um, a passerby did call the police after they discovered Curtis's body just on the side. He was pronounced dead and he had two bullet wounds to the back of his head. It's just, I just don't understand. I really don't. I mean, I don't understand the previous two murders either, but I just, I just don't understand the ruthless, thoughtless killing. It kind of seems like the killing of Curtis was planned because they handed him an unloaded gun. It's kind of like they wanted to ambush him. Why they killed him, you ask? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there was some reports that there was a little bit of a confrontation between Curtis and Curtis's gang and Erica. There was like a little argument. I don't really know. Little confrontation anyway. There's a little confrontation. Talk about it like adults, you know? I'm not too sure if the police suspect Nico in the murder of Curtis, um, but they obviously didn't really suspect him that strongly anyway, because they didn't go and arrest Nico. Um, but obviously Nico did know Curtis, so there may have been like, maybe, but they didn't arrest him anyway. Nico is just still out there living his life. So two days after the murder of Curtis, Lil Wayne comes to town. I know, random. I bet you weren't expecting Lil Wayne to pop up in this story, were well, you know? Um, but anyway, Lil Wayne is in town for a concert and Nico sees this as a business opportunity. He wants to essentially rob people that are coming out of the concert. However, Nico decides that he wants a different car to the car he has to do this. He wants a nicer car, a car that's going to like fit in with other cars um, so he can go around robbing people inconspicuously. So Nico, his sister Erica, his cousin Christine, and his uncle Warren. Remember Warren? Told you you'd come back up in the story. It really is a family affair, this whole case. Um, where do they head? Uh, McDonald's. McDonald's comes up way too often in these cases that I cover. So they go to McDonald's and they're basically staking out McDonald's, looking at all of the different cars that are coming through in the drive-through. 
essentially just choosing which car they want to steal when they see this SUV going through the drive-thru that they like and this SUV belonged to Andrea Kruger they essentially follow Andrea until she comes to a stop and then when she comes to a junction Nico jumps out of his car he goes to Andrea he pulls Andrea out of the car just in the middle of the road and he shoots her three or four times I'm not entirely sure and leaves her and him and Warren, the uncle, get into Andrea's car and drive off. And Erica and Christine stay in the original car and they drive off. And again, another person has tragically lost their lives. Andrea did die as the result of those gunshot wounds. She was a mother of three. She was just on her way home from work. It's just really heartbreaking now that four people have lost their lives needlessly. Nico, as far as I'm aware as well, he didn't actually commit any robberies that night and Warren, the uncle, did end up burning Andrea's car to try and get rid of it and there is CCTV footage of him doing this. So there's these four murders right now and I don't know if the police think they're connected. I mean maybe they do because the, the same bullets have been used and um, because it is very rare for murderers to murder across different races genders and ages. So 10 days go by and Nico is just living his life completely free walking around. Not just him, the rest of his family as well. But on the 30th of August, Nico is arrested. But it has nothing to do with the murders. I know, I bet you were thinking, oh, he's been arrested on the murders. No. Remember the little fight he had with his girlfriend at his release party? Well, I'm not entirely sure when, but this little fight with Nico's girlfriend angered Nico so much that he threatened to kill his girlfriend. I, you can't just go around threatening to kill people. And he also threatened to send demonic forces to um, his girlfriend's mom's house. He was clearly talking about potters here. And understandably, his girlfriend took him seriously. His girlfriend reported this because she was terrified for her life. She was terrified for her mom. And this is why the police arrested Nico because of these threats. However, when he's in jail, the police start to think uh, maybe Nico is the one that we're looking for for these four murders. They find CCTV footage of someone buying the exact same ammunition that was used in all four murders. And who was that person? I bet you're thinking Nico Jenkins. But no, Nico Jenkins' mom, Laurie Jenkins. Mm -hmm. Now, there isn't much information um, about the actual investigation process. But what I assume happened, and obviously this is just me assuming, the same ammunition was used, as far as I'm aware, in all four murders. So the police started to look at gun shops, wherever you buy guns or ammunition from, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but they started looking at those places and started to try and find anybody that was buying that particular ammunition. And they saw that Laurie Jenkins was buying that ammunition. And then they thought, Laurie Jenkins, well, we know her. We also know her son. We know her whole entire family. And plus, because they already had Nico in custody for something else, it was very easy for the police to just go and question Nico about these four murders. So that's what I'm assuming happened. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So on the 3rd of September, police go and interview Nico about the four murders. This interview lasts around eight hours. There is so much footage of the interview on YouTube. Not the full eight hours, but there's a decent amount of footage available. And wow, does Nico not shut up? Like literally, he does not shut up. It's my mind frame goes back. I'm, obviously, I'm schizophrenic bipolar, so I don't take medication. So right now, that's why I'm going to stay. That's why I told him they need to hurry up when okay. I'm in this mind frame. Okay. So that when I speak to you, this is clear. I am. That when I got served a search warrant. Right. 
This was their ritual of sacrifice. And I'm going to give you from A to Z. This is not no goose chase. This is the real deal right here, which, okay. which you people go. signed up for. Okay. Before we get any further, though, I need to read you this rights advisory form, okay? Okay. I never knew the who, the what, the when, the where. Only thing I gave was the intelligence. After... You alright? You alright, man? You alright, man? That's what I don't understand, man. He said, all I, I was in the grass farm person, man. All I wanted was help from the people, man. And I've seen a lot of interviews of killers, serial killers and everything. And I've just never really seen anyone be in an interview like Nico was. And like I said, there's a lot of footage available, but it's not the full eight hours. Again, I don't know exactly how the interview played out and the order of things happened, but from my research, I've kind of figured out what happened. But I think Nico does at first deny the murders, deny that um, he had any involvement, like he doesn't know anything about it. Um, and then he changes his story and blames the murders on his sister and his cousin and said that he was kind of involved and he provided intelligence. And then he starts to say that he did commit the murders, but he only committed the murders because Apothis told him to. And then he changes his story again and he says that he only committed the murders to get revenge on the correctional system um, because they should never have let him out, which I agree with, they should never have let him out, but still. Um, and Nico said quite a few times in the interview, um, I warned you, I warned you this would happen. I did say, if you let me out, I'm gonna kill someone. Which Nico, it's not an excuse. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so he's basically just all over the place in the interview and he's not taking any responsibility for the murders. He's trying to blame everyone and everything. And we really just don't know what the reason was for the murders. I mean, maybe his family were more involved than what we know of. You never know, it's plausible. Um, or maybe he was actually hearing Apothis in his head ordering these crimes. Um, or maybe there were revenge killings. With all of his ramblings, he basically does confess to the crimes, uh, which is enough for the police to arrest him for the four murders. And Nico himself actually also writes to an Omaha newspaper in November of 2013. And in this letter, he also confesses to the crimes. So while Nico is awaiting trial, Wait for this. Um, Nico files his own lawsuit um, for 24 and a half million dollars. Um, he files this against the state of Nebraska because again, he says that they should not have let him out and this could have been prevented and that he should not be blamed for the killings. Um, and I do agree with him to a certain extent there. I agree that he should not have been let out but again, um, $24.5 million, should that not really go to the victim's families? Nico literally wrote this six-page letter himself, and he says that he's not fit to stand trial because of his mental health issues. Um, so a judge did order a psychological evaluation of Nico to see if he was fit to stand trial. And Nico has previously been diagnosed as schizophrenic, bipolar, and was also diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. However, in the current evaluation, that was basically all just wiped and ignored. 
um, and they said that Nico was making all of this up and what he really had was just antisocial personality disorder, which I agree with, he probably does have that as well. I, I get a little bit confused here because I don't know how he could have been making all of that up. Those were conditions that he was previously diagnosed with. He was diagnosed with them. He's not making them up. I'm not saying that he's not responsible for the murders. Of course, I'm not saying that. He is responsible for the murders, but he's not making up his mental health issues. <laughs> but I do have a little theory as to why I think uh, the state or whoever, I do have a little theory of why they dismissed those uh, mental health conditions which I'll say in a minute. So Nico is deemed competent to stand trial and the trial goes ahead. And Nico actually decides to fire his whole defense team and represent himself, which he's allowed to do. And throughout the whole trial, he never denies the murders, but he just says that he's not responsible for them. And it is the Egyptian god Apothis that is to blame and Apothis is ordering him to harm others. And that these killings were sacrifices. He then started to speak in what has been described as tongues, um, which I don't know what that is. I did try to look up. I wanted to actually see a video. I knew I wouldn't see a video of Nico, but I actually just wanted to see a video of anybody talking in tongues, but I couldn't find one. But I'm just imagining parcel tongue in my head. On the 16th of April 2014, Nico was found guilty of all four murders. So now he just needs to be sentenced. However, questions about his mental health come up again and whether he is competent enough to face the death penalty. So sentencing just keeps getting pushed back. And throughout these delays, I think this is where the fascination started to come about with Nico. This is when he started to make headlines all of the time. And I assume this is when probably most people heard about this case from what happens now. But basically he kept making headlines and there kept being delays because Nico kept um, self-mutilating. Firstly, he carved 666 into his forehead. But he didn't say 666 because he did it in a mirror and he didn't think about, yeah. Um, so it was kind of just like upside down nines. He also tried to carve Satan into his forehead. And he also, sliced his tongue uh, to resemble a snake, which required uh, nine stitches. But then the final one, um, prepare yourself for this one. He took a razor and he tried to carve his penis to look like a snake. Um, and this required 27 stitches. Um, uh, I, mm -mm, mm -mm a lot of misinformation about that particular self-mutilation like there were so many stories articles that he had sliced his penis off altogether um i swear the media sometimes just like to run with stuff don't they and it's been reported that nico was self-mutilating to try and look insane because he wanted to avoid the death penalty and that could be true of course it could be but there's no denying that he's struggling with his mental health. I'm sorry, but there is no denying that at all. But in May 2017, yeah, there was delays for a very long time considering he was uh, convicted in 2014. In May 2017, he was sentenced to 450 years in prison and also for death penalties. A uh, bit extreme, I don't know why. <laughs> 
the sentence was so long, but he, he was. And going back to my theory of why I think they dismissed his previously um, diagnosed mental health conditions is because I think they wanted Nico to get the death penalty. And he wouldn't have been able to get the death penalty if he was diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, bipolar or anything like that. Um, so that's why I think they dismissed. I obviously have no proof of that. I just want to point that out very clearly. Um, but that's my theory anyway. I saw a lot of um, things saying as well because he was so self-aware, like he was saying like, I have these conditions, I have this, I have that. Because he was very self-aware of his mental health, um, he couldn't have been suffering with his mental health. <laughs> um, sorry, I have to laugh sometimes at people's stupidity. The rest of the family were also charged for their part in the crime. Um, so I just wanted to say what they all got sentenced with as well because everybody else seems to be ignoring the fact that this Crime has been a family affair. So Nico's mom, Laurie Jenkins, got 10 years in prison for uh, buying the ammunition. I think she bought the ammunition as well, knowing that Nico was possibly gonna kill someone. Um, so I think that's why she got so much for buying the ammunition. Erica Jenkins, uh, the sister, was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Curtis Bradford and also uh, taking part in some of the robberies. Christine Bordeaux was sentenced to 20 years for her part in the robberies. Um, and she kind of was involved in the murders as well, but she didn't murder anyone. Um, but she got quite a lesser sentence because she actually snitched on the rest of the family and she provided a lot of evidence that um, was crucial in the conviction of the rest of the family. Interesting little fact, um, Christine and Erica at one point in their prison sentence were actually put in the same cell and Erica nearly killed Christine for snitching on her. And I just can't help but think that that was done on purpose. I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but it just seems like why would you put these two women that clearly don't like each other and obviously Christine snitched on Erica, why would you put them in the same cell? Warren Levering, the uncle, was sentenced to 40 years in prison for his part in the murder of Andrea Kruger. And there was actually more family members that took part in these crimes and were convicted for their part in the crimes. But this story is confusing enough as it is. Um, I didn't want to bring in every single person. I just wanted to bring in the main people that were involved in the crimes. But yeah, more family members were involved. In April 2020, the Supreme Court actually refused to hear Nico's appeal. And that was the 420 page document that I found. Uh, so yeah, I don't really know what's going on with Nico and his appeals, but the Supreme Court won't hear it. Now, I don't know about what any of you think, of course, let me know in the comments, but it is my opinion that the system completely failed in this case. It failed every single person involved. I 100% believe that if the system did what it was supposed to do, um, that these murders could have been prevented. In the Supreme Court appeal document that I found, there was a list of all of the times that Nico asked for help when he was in prison for the 10 years, but there are multiple times every single month for years that Nico was asking for help. This was before the murders happened. This was when he was in prison the first time. It's actually unbelievable. When I saw this document, my jaw literally hit the ground. I was like, what? He literally said four months before he was released that he doesn't want to be released because he was going to kill, cannibalize, 
and drink the blood of people. I just don't know how many times someone has to ask for help, but nobody listened to Nico. And I'm really not trying to make him a victim in this story because at the end of the day, he took four innocent lives and he is responsible for that and he should be punished for that. But like I said, if the system just paid attention, if the system didn't ignore someone like Nico, this could have been prevented and they definitely failed him as a child. I mean, come on. And I just think it's absolutely shocking. It's disgusting actually that they let Nico out straight from solitary confinement. I don't understand why he didn't have any parole either. No conditions, no supervision. I just don't know how many red flags the system needed to realize that Nico is dangerous and that he was basically a ticking time bomb. Nobody should be in solitary confinement for that long. It messes people up. And the media coverage of this case is so completely biased. It paints such an untrue narrative, doesn't highlight any of the failures at all. It just seems like to me that Nico um, was just a problem that the state wanted to get rid of and no one could be bothered to deal with him or help him. So that is the true story of Nico Jenkins. God, this case, it was a heavy one. Um, thank you for being patient with me on this, but I just wanted to make sure that I delivered the proper story of Nico Jenkins because everything that I saw on YouTube and everything uh, definitely doesn't tell the true story and there is nothing that infuriates me more than um, misinformation being spread. Maybe it's the Libran in me, I don't know. I really hope that none of you misinterpret what I'm saying on this case. I don't want anyone to think that I'm sympathizing with Nico. Um, of course I do when he was a child um, because he was subjected to things that no child should be. Nico is 100% responsible for these murders and he should be punished for them. I just wanted to highlight all of the failures in the system. Um, and if the system had done its bloody job, four innocent people would still be here. So that was the case of Nico Jenkins. And that was a lot, wasn't it? The failures in the system were just so unbelievable in this case. Like I mentioned in the intro, I really did fall down the rabbit hole when I was researching this case. And when I covered it on YouTube, that was well over a year ago now. It was actually my 10th true crime video. So very, very early days. And that is actually why it's the 10th episode on my podcast. I just like symmetry. <laughs> and this case will always stand out to me as one of the first where I truly threw everything into researching it. I just couldn't stop. I really wanted to get to the full picture, find out what the media weren't talking about and bring you guys the full story. As always, my heart goes out to the victims' families in this case. As much as we did focus on the system failures in the case of Nico Jenkins, the real focus at the end should be the tragic loss of those four innocent lives. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And I would love it if you could leave a five-star review if you enjoy the show. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one.